a lot of these food waste streams, even if it's like orange peels or pomace or pulp from different processing facilities, has a lot of carbohydrates and sugars. And one of the opportunities we see is to sell that into the biotech industry as a substrate for fermentation. But if we can unlock sugars from waste, there's a better story there. And welcome to Short Takes on Tech. We're doing these 10-minute conversations with companies that are here for various reasons. And this is going live, and then we're going to make a podcast out of it. And these are shorter conversations, but please make sure that you go and listen to my longer podcast called Fresh Takes on Tech. And we're here live at the IFPA Global Show in Orlando. And this has been really fun for me because... I have never done a live podcast and I've never done a podcast in person. So actually sitting and talking to people, it's a little distracting. You know, there's like a real person sitting there. (laughs) I have with me now, Caitlin, and I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk about yourself and your company. Well, nice to to meet everyone. Hope to meet some people here at the the show this week. I'm Caitlin Magentel, founder of Pulp Pantry. And at Pulp Pantry, what we do is we actually transform fruit and vegetable byproducts. So from larger food manufacturers, and turn those into upcycled, value-added consumer end goods. So one of the product lines that we're currently focused on is a line we like to call pulp chips. And what we're doing is actually partnered with um, some of the the big national juice brands that are here at the show this week, and we take their vegetable byproducts. So most of the greens, the romaine, the spinach, the kale, the celery, the cucumber, and we upcycle that into a line of high-fiber veggie chips. And you know, the, the concept for really what Pulp Pantry is creating is really bringing fresh produce to categories that are currently pretty devoid of nutrition. And so we really look at not only on the supply side, is there a benefit, obviously, you know, sustainability, upcycled foods have a major climate impact, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. But, you know, on the consumer end, we really saw that there's white space in categories that maybe are devoid of certain nutrients like fiber, which is our biggest focus with the, the fruits and vegetables. And veggie chips was just this compelling category, because if you look at the veggie chip shelf today, it's usually potato starch with a sprinkle of vegetable powder that's really just for coloring and, you know, usually very devoid of any real meaningful nutrition. It's basically a potato chip in disguise. So we said, how can we build really a true veggie chip in this set and offer consumers kind of this next generation of consumer packaged goods um, that really delivers on both health and sustainability. So better for people, better for the planet. And we like to create those win-win partnerships with both our suppliers and then obviously our retail partners as well. It's amazing. So after you, do you go pick up the waste product, I guess you call it, and then you process it or kind of how does that happen operationally? It's been a journey, right, to figure it out. I mean, this concept started in farmer's markets. So it was a very small working with our local juice brands to kind of iterate on some product ideas. But um, it was actually at a trade show where I met some of the folks from Suja and also met some of the folks from Evolution Fresh. And we were really lucky to build some sourcing partnerships where we could actually collect in at larger scale volumes, right? And these, you know, these producers have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds of this organic byproduct every week. They're trying to figure out what to do with it. And they're trying to figure out what to do with it and usually at a cost, right? So whether it's sending to animal feed or compost, it becomes, it's something that affects the bottom line. And so for us to come in and say, hey, we actually have a a way that we can process this organic produce and, and save you costs, but then also at the end of the day, bring bring about these value-added consumer goods that hopefully tell a 
a consumer story that's very compelling where it, it can tie into their own sustainability strategy. And so the sourcing process, yes, we, you know, we provide all the logistics. We recycle bins through our collection process. So um, we, you know, we're collecting a weekly volume, let's say, when, and kind of just in time processing. So we've tried to reduce the amount of steps and hands that the, the produce needs to touch to become a raw material that we can use at the end. Um, but we have started experimenting with what it would look like to, you know, add on a layer of, of processing on top of what, you know, we'll get the scraps of, let's say, outer leaves of lettuce that, that can't be used at, on the farm or in, when you're packing salad kits. And there's a ton of other places that we're exploring where really the byproduct is, is coming about that we could add potentially, for example, a, a puree step or whatnot to, to basically develop consumer end goods using a variety of inputs. And where can people get it? Are you selling to farmer's markets or are you on grocery stores? Yeah. So, you know, we started in farmer's markets. That was a great way to get some, you know, get some some feedback and just kind of get some early interest from consumers. But really the the tides began to shift. We actually were in the Target incubator in 2019. And that's where we came out with the line of veggie chips that we developed. So getting the the help and really support of in, in commercialization with the Target folks. And then we actually launched in Target in November of 2020. Um, so shout out to our buyer who was actually, you know, working on some private label projects and moved over into the buying role and really gave us a shot in the produce department at Target. And that's actually, you know, we have about 600 to 700 points of distribution right now. Wow. We're distributed through the two major national natural um, food distributors, Unify and Kehi. And we're actually currently building more relationships in the produce department because we really see, you know, how can we build case stacks in produce that are really targeting that lifestyle of health and sustainability customer. And we're seeing that those shoppers are really spending more of their time at the perimeter of the store. And so we want to meet them where they're, they are. And I think, you know, the salty snack space is very noisy and crowded. And it's really hard for consumers to differentiate between, I think, what the other, what every brand is really offering from a, from a especially a nutrition perspective. So we really want to let our story shine in the produce department where we can tell that, you know, value added, upcycled, piece of our story and, and really rooted in the fresh ingredients that we that we're sourcing currently. And is that like in Target? Is that where you're located? So we're we are in the produce Target. Uh, we're in the produce aisle at Target. We did some fun actually cross kind of merchandising. So one time with Suja for Earth Day, we had shelf tags that went up on the, the Suja shelf that said, hey, check out this brand pulp pantry. We actually turn our pulp into these chips. And then on our shelf set, uh, which is, you know, in the dry, kind of dry section where you might find the onions or some of the tomatoes and whatnot. That was where we actually had a, a little tag that said, hey, we're making our chips from Suja's Pulp. And so it tied in the two That's brands so together. Cool. So we find a lot of fun ways like that, that we can hopefully let the story shine in produce. And I, I think, you know, that's really where I'd like to focus a lot more time and energy is just making sure that that story can can show through at retail, which I think is just a really unique discovery process for consumers as well. So you're here at the show. You're um, exhibiting at the Future Tech Pavilion, which I'm so happy to have you there. Thank you for um, having us. Yeah, no, we we had a conversation. I, I forget who introduced us, but we had yeah. a conversation. And then I was just looking at your company and like, this would be a great fit. Yes, you should come that was, to Orlando. You know? <laughs> I'm here. You yeah, know, I couldn't say no. Yeah. But yeah, one coast to another. We're, we're west all the way from the West Coast out to the East Coast. But, yeah. you know, I think I think the biggest thing that was a draw for me is there are so many amazing, like we were very West Coast focused, regionally distributed right now. And our sourcing partners are all in Southern California or the Central Valley of California. And so, you know, we do all of our manufacturing there as well. 
But we've definitely started thinking, okay, what does this look like to scale a truly a brand that's rooted in sustainability? I think, you know, a lot of it will come down to, can we, you know, if we're going to be distributed in the Midwest, can we work with sourcing partners in the Midwest and processing partners in the Midwest? If we're going to be moving to the East Coast, how do we kind of really like regionalize almost our supply chain? Because I think at the end of the day, that's going to reduce the transit miles. It's going to obviously reduce logistics costs and that way we can kind of build more partnerships that are going to be rooted in that local storytelling. So when you think about these cross merchandising opportunities, maybe on the West Coast, our partner is kind of completely different from who we're working with on the East Coast. And I think there's possibilities there. So I'm excited to be at a show that is truly a global show and see kind of what those global opportunities um, can be and how value added partnerships like what Pulp Pantry is doing can really benefit a variety of sourcing partners as well. So what would make this a successful show for you? You know, I think it's really meeting, I would say, brands in the produce department. Maybe some of these brands have been around for a long time, right? But I think there is this kind of focus on innovation for a lot of companies. And they're actually starting to look at, yeah, how do we dif- how do we kind of start to tell our messaging to what's becoming a very evolving consumer landscape where consumers are more concerned about climate change. And maybe there is a growing demographic of people who want to see those stories told at the front. What is the story behind the ingredients that I'm buying and bringing into my household? So I think that's really where I see Pulp Pantry can provide a lot of value. I'm a next generation brand founder, if you will. And I feel like I'm creating products that are really for my my demographic as well. And I, I want to partner with um, especially suppliers that see the value there and, and want to tell those stories and, and kind of collaborate more so. So I'm just excited to meet a ton of potential suppliers distributor partners and of course retailers as well might be attending. you'll have a great time walking the show tomorrow because yes. it's just this sensory experience yes. of so many different so much different produce and oh so my gosh. i think that'll be great for you yeah and i think what you're doing just fits in with what's important to ifpa yeah. and kathy burns state of the industry talk this morning she actually put up a picture of some chips they weren't yours but uh, <laughs> of, uh, of an example of upcycling and how that's a really important innovation in the industry so we love what you're doing and um, stay in touch and thank you so much for stopping by thank you so much again for having me and for having me on the podcast hi this is bonnie estes and we're doing short takes on tech live from the IFPA show in Orlando. So right now, people are going into the general session, and it's actually a little quiet around my little podcast booth. It's been quite loud uh, in, the, in the last while, but um, really happy to be here and happy to be talking to these companies about their technology. So with that, I will turn it over to Charles, and if you just tell us about yourself and your company and we'll go from there. Sure. My name is Charles Swartz, and I'm a representative from Compact Membrane Systems. Our company, as you can guess from the name, manufactures membranes for advanced gas separations, typically in the industrial space. So oil and gas, chemical manufacturing, pharmaceuticals. But one of our technologies, a cool thing about it is that it's applicable to the agriculture space. And that's why I'm here today to to, uh, talk about our membranes that keep produce certain species and varieties of fresh fruits and vegetables fresh for longer 
and we just started manufacturing uh, this membrane and I'm excited to be here and talk to companies that have been in this space longer than us and learn from them, hear about their needs and potentially make some uh, interesting business connections. This week. So the membrane will go on the fruit or is it packaging? Great question. So it needs to go into a system where there is um, gas flow. It won't touch the fruit, but it can go on packaging or it can go on boxes. So as the fruit is producing this chemical substance called ethylene that uh, advances its ripening stages, our membrane actually pulls the ethylene out of the space and can kick it into the atmosphere. So it's no longer affecting uh, your apples or your mangoes or your avocados or your bananas. So those bananas stay yellow and fresh longer if they're at the grocery store or if they're in a reefer container on a ship coming from South, Central South America or Africa, they're going to arrive to port much fresher and with less waste. So who is your customer? Like in the produce industry, will you sell to growers or will you sell to packaging companies or how's that going to work? It's a great question and one we hope to answer this week. <laughs> so there's a variety of businesses we think that we, uh, our technology can impact. Certainly in the cold storage supply chain logistics space, uh, where people are storing apples and, and stone fruits for long periods of time, we can enable their, reduce their food waste and enable it to be stored and fresher for longer. And then in the shipping space, like I mentioned, in, in reefer containers, but then for people that are displaying and selling fresh fruits at a grocery store where consumers are going and they don't want their fruits to uh, ripen too quickly. They want them to stay looking attractive for the consumer for longer periods of time. And then people that are involved in the flower space also. So uh, so cut flower logistics folks or your florist, your mom and pop florist shop. We have ideas about solutions for all of these businesses, and I'd like to kind of hone in on, on how we can kind of integrate into those, uh, those various places. So you're a perfect example of what I'm looking for in, in my role as Vice President of Innovation at IFPA is really looking for solutions that exist in other industries and let's bring those over instead of trying to invent like all of this within our own industry or, or having having the produce industry saying I need to understand this and fix it but having someone like you who has already developed a product and already done it somewhere else and then bringing that solution to our industry is super exciting how have you found trying to engage with the produce industry is it complicated or how has that felt I think it's it's challenging from an outside perspective. It's we're a company that's kind of brand new but established in in a different space, um, and so building some of the trust and relationships I think is important for your large growers that you know are used to doing and interacting with a certain set of uh, folks. But I think people are really interested in hearing about new technology and seeing how it can apply. I think we believe we have a, a technology, but we're looking to develop it into a product and a solution that works for folks. So we're sort of in this uh, interesting space and time to get a technology into find a solution that works for people in an economic fashion. And so in other industries, do you partner? It's like you're not going to make the container or make the box or will you part? How will that work? Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if there's if there's people that have an existing uh, box or packaging solution that would want to integrate our membrane, we're happy to work with those people. If we if there's a end user that are a grower that has a crop that they want to store fresher for longer periods of time, but they don't make boxes. I think we're interested in talking to those people about potentially manufacturing. Uh, we are manufacturing people after all, but I think kind of where we are now is 
people are interested and like, okay, this is really cool technology, but we need to see it in action and bring them down the, the path of what do they have to see seeing is believing for our product. So um, doing trials and tests and, and, and showing them how it would work in their existing supply chain is really important to us. So have you started those conversations? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think historically, like when you're working in heavy industry, the, the years of technology adoption are very long in yeah. the agricultural space. I think people want a solution now they want it easy. They want to, you know, figure oh, out how to, how to put it in. I've never heard uh, anyone uh, say not, ag is not fast. Necessarily <laughs> easy, not necessarily, you know, easy in terms of overcoming the hurdles to get it in place, but they want a solution that they can, you know, envision working with how they operate today. Ah, um, okay. And so I don't think we need years and years of data and, and evidence to show that our product works. I think finding people that are willing to kind of partner with us and work together is, is really important. And there's no registration like EPA or any regulatory stuff like that? Nothing like that. No, no. We, we manufacture today. We have kind of all of our uh, ducks in a row uh, in terms of emissions and regulations. And it, and it works in you know, current streams, consumer markets, as well as industrial markets. And yeah. so how big is the company? We're about 20 people. Yeah, we're located just outside of Philadelphia in Delaware, for those people that know Delaware. There's many uh, of us that know Delaware. <laughs> in, in a small town called Newport, and we have some additional um, kind of advisor people. One is joining today is going to help me at the booth uh, that's coming up from Miami. Uh, has a long sort of um, history in, in membrane science, and um, so we have kind of specialty folks that, that help us and make our 20 team of 20 people seem much larger. Wow. So what will be a successful show for you? Yeah, I think if we can find people that tell us that we will buy your product, if you show us X, Y, and Z, that that will be very kind of frank, that if your technology works, I'm interested for you to show me. And then here's the time frame that, you know, we can figure out how to kind of purchase and make a business arrangement for, yeah. our, for our membranes. Great. So... I think you'll find at this show, as you can see, like everybody's super busy. And so you may just get someone's card, you yeah, know, yeah. That, and find the right person within the organization to have that conversation. And that's important too. Yeah, yeah. 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 The technology and I think, you know, sustainability people that we need to talk to, I think that to get excited about our product might not all, all be here, but um, at least some initial feedback on our technology and, and making those connections is, is yeah. important too. And we're doing uh, at IPA. There's a technology, um, a sustainability council, and there's a number of people that really focus on that area. So that might be a place for you to look as well, as far as connections and you know people that we know that are you know really looking to to solve that problem because it's a huge problem for the industry. We're happy to present too, and we have a lot of kind of paper and science, and we're bringing it down to more of a digestible format of you know in the cycle of product and technology development. You start with a lot of science and then you kind of hone your message to the right group. So um, we're happy to kind of share our technology more widely with people at IFPA and, and oh, see how that can, can be disseminated well. You have a great organization, right? You have yeah. tons of people. There's, you know, yeah. it's, it's incredible the amount of people coming coming to this. this yeah, week. it's amazing. It was it, it just looking on social media and like every picture on my feed is like, you know, in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's really, it's great. And it's, you know, we haven't been together for three years. Um, we were supposed to do the show last year um, and then couldn't, you know, and then before that was COVID. And so, yeah, it's been a long time since this group has gotten together. So I think there's a, definitely a, a fun celebration. I think people are sick of Zoom. And oh. We've been talking over that. Yeah. 
gosh, I am. <laughs> Video chat. So yeah, it's, exactly. It's good to make personal connections and, and meet people face to face like yeah. we're doing for the first I time know. here. It's great. So any other points you want to make? I think just learning about the industry and getting involved, you know, this is sort of our first foray into a the agricultural space. So I'm excited to do a lot of learning and, and hear about solutions and pain points and kind of take our technology and find, like I said, like I mentioned, find a, a, a solution for people to, to utilize. So great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you made it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Good afternoon. This is Vani Estes and I'm your host on Short Takes on Tech. And we're recording live from the IFPA Global Show in Orlando. And I get to talk to a number of really exciting companies to hear about what they're doing and what they're thinking about. And we'll put these out as a podcast later um, that you'll get to hear all these different companies on my main podcast, which is um, Fresh Takes on Tech. So please be sure to catch these podcasts and the other ones as well. And I will turn it over to my next guest. Thank you, Jeff. Hi, I'm Jeff Beagle, co-founder, chief science officer, and Lieutenant Beard at Mobius. <laughs> All right, tell us about your company. So at Mobius, our mission is to create a world where there's wonder and waste. And what that means for us is we want to work with companies that generate waste from food, forestry, and agriculture and transform those into ingredients for the circular economy. That's great. How long have you been doing this and what's your background? So uh, my background, I'm a bioengineer and microbiologist. My partner, Tony, and I started the company when we were graduate students at the University of Tennessee. We we're in this really great interdisciplinary graduate program where we were taking technical classes, working at the Department of Energy National Lab in Oak Ridge, but also taking courses in entrepreneurship. And we were taking classes in the business school and one of our teachers, who's now an advisor, said, this is a, a really great idea. You should turn this into an actual company. I think he thought we would wait until we were done with graduate school, <laughs> but we said no. So we started the company in graduate school back 2016. So we've been at it for, yeah, about six years now. And we went from doing business plan competitions in grad school, started writing grants for R&D funding, and now we have our own space. We're still continuing to work on product development, but getting closer to commercialization. So what are some of the changes that you've made as from when you first started the company to now of um, what your product should be, what your focus should be, who your customers should be? Has that, I'm sure that's evolved as time has come. It's evolved a lot. Um, when we started the company, our core technology that we were talking about was actually a biodegradable polymer technology. Um, so that product was taking lignin, which is the primary waste product of the paper industry, and transforming that into a biodegradable plastic that we can use for products like flower pots or controlled release fertilizer. We're still pursuing that technology. That's most likely a biodegradable flower pot container will be our first product that we're hoping to pilot and test next year. But during the process of developing that technology, kind of happy accident, which often happens in chemistry, we are running our process and found that instead of building lignin into a polymer, we actually like broke it apart. And so in, in that happy accident, we thought, what are other things that we can kind of break apart? We started looking at food waste. So we brought this lens of what food waste is from our backgrounds in biology and chemistry. 
and look at food waste from the lens of a waste nutrition label. So when a food processor, like let's say an orange juice company, makes orange juice, they probably don't think a lot about what the orange peels are made of because that's not destined for human consumption, so they throw it away. But orange peels are a valuable resource for chemicals, for materials, and for a whole lot of other inputs. So we it's run- It's also a, a cost to them. It's also a cost to them. Yeah. So if, if like, so through our technology, we look at these waste streams, we, we understand what the compositions of them are, and we separate those different ingredients out, whether that's sugars or fibers or fats, think a nutrition label. We're taking all of those components out and then connecting those with downstream markets that want more sustainable inputs, whether that's materials, whether that's a food additive, whether that's like a CPG product. Really, we're, it's, it's a, we're trying to connect two dots to create the circular economy. So what's not to get too deep into the technology, yeah. but what is the um, what's is a chemical process? What do you do when you say you say break it down? Like how does that yeah. work, and where does that happen? Yeah. So the the technology that we're doing, we're we're bringing innovation in from the polymer industry. So in polymer production, you use extruders to build up polymers, and you can think of it as like a really fancy sausage grinder. We use that same process of like an extruder to break matter down and separate it into these different fractions. So it's it's a continuous process. They exist at large volumes at scale that can accommodate the wastes that we see from food processors. And we're not relying on really hazardous or expensive solvents and other additives, but we're really just running food waste um, in a proprietary way through these extruders. And out the end, we have these different ingredients that we can sell to other markets. So looking at, at the companies, what do companies not understand about their waste? How are they thinking about their waste and how should they think about it differently? Well, it's, I think a lot of companies just, they think of it as a management problem. So when, again, like using the example of orange juice, the primary product there is the orange juice. So they understand like what orange juice is made out of, what the, the nutrient content is, but inevitably the orange peels is just a cost of doing business because humans can't eat that. We look at that as like, again, not healthy food for humans, but healthy food for industry as inputs. And so a lot of these companies are paying to throw things away that actually the, the sum of the value is greater than like what they're throwing away. So if we can unlock each of these fractions, it may be worth more than what they're paying to throw away. So we want to provide an opportunity for companies generating waste to have a lower cost waste management strategy by working with us and then be able to increase the value of that waste into other products. Yeah, it's almost when you look at almost anything that's made from food, there's a waste stream. And yeah. trying to figure out how to manage that is super important. What are some of the products that you make with uh, from this process? Yeah, so from or a can be made. Yeah, I mean, well, that can be made. That's <laughs> almost anything, but I think the strategy we're trying to take is once we find a company that has a waste stream that we understand, we try to identify potential products before we start engaging and scaling up the technology. One of the applications we're really interested in is what can we do with sugar? A lot of these food waste streams, even if it's like orange peels or pomace or pulp from different processing facilities, has a lot of carbohydrates and sugars. 
And one of the opportunities we see is to sell that into the biotech industry as a substrate for fermentation. Because a lot of these biotech companies are buying sugars that are derived from corn or sugar beets. There's a lot of land use involved in that, a lot of resources. But if we can unlock sugars from waste, and again, like these sugars are the same, like glucose from orange peel waste is the same as glucose from corn. We, we're, there's a better story there. There's a more sustainability in the products that they make, whether that's alternative protein, whether that's pharmaceuticals, whether that's biofuels. So that's like one very exciting example that we're looking at for sugars. What but, kind of uptake have you gotten from that and so, talking to fermentation companies? I mean, that's one of those ones where I think they're like, okay, like, tell us when you're ready. Like, when do you have it? Like, we yeah. need tons of this now. And so we we have to connect the dots between the supply, which is the waste streams, and then the buyers. And I think this is one of those examples where we have pull for those sugars before we actually have the supply of waste-derived sugars, like, ready to sell. So that's, like, a, a huge part of why we're here is, like, we're entering this, like, very large growth phase. We want to connect with companies that have a waste problem that are looking for better solutions than just sending it to a landfill or even compost because there's not a lot of value creation with compost. So that's one of the reasons why we're here. Really want to grow so that we can start addressing some of these uh, commercial opportunities that we're getting demand from. So I interrupted you. Besides sugars, what are some of the other outputs that you're looking at? Yeah, I I think some of the waste streams. So each one has a different profile. Some of them have like flavors and aromas. So again, orange peels, there might be orange flavor that we could extract and then sell that into a food product if it if we can Meets maintain like food safety yeah. and, and health requirements. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely something we're looking at. Fiber can either be used as like a dietary fiber supplement for a food product, again, if it's food safe, or it could be used as a composite material because bio-based fibers for composite materials is is a really interesting area rather than using like fiberglass and things like that. So like fiber going into materials, proteins, I mean, again, that could be used as a a food product or amino acids can be used in like the pharmaceutical industry. So there's just all of these other ways. And we're really trying to bring, again, like our perspective kind of coming from the, the chemical industry, like what can food waste replace that we're now getting from like finite resources like petrochemicals? Yeah. So my last question is, what do you hope to get out of the show? What will make a successful show for you? So it's already been a successful show because over the last, (laughs) call it two years that we've been building this vision around food waste, we've, we have like a theoretical understanding of food waste, like food processing waste streams that exist at scale, but we haven't really connected with the individual companies producing them. So I know like, in theory, what cherry waste might look like from making cherry juice, but I haven't connected with like Mike, who is a, an actual operator at a cherry pr- processing facility to understand their waste. So we're really getting to dive in to the specific customer use cases and like people that we're talking about to understand what do you do with your waste today? What are you paying for that waste today? Are there other things in your waste stream? Like, is it cherries? Is it cherries and leaves? from like trees? Are you mixing other waste streams? And all of that complexity like goes into how we build our products. So this has just been a really helpful deep dive into better understanding like part of our customer base who is the the people generating waste. 
Excellent. Great. Thank you so much. It's yeah, great to thank talk you, to Bonnie. you. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.